0: Hey, it's Alex from XGrowth. Today on the pod feed, we have an edited version of our session unpacking the state of account based marketing in APAC, we held on the 22nd of July, 2022. On the panel, we have Ronan Bray, Head of Marketing, APAC Adrift, Jade Mira, Regional Marketing Director, APJ at F5. Of course, we have Shaheen, Director of Growth at XGrowth, and Andrew Thompson, Managing Editor of Shift Research and author of the State of ABM and APAC report, and Andrew's going to be moderating this session. Let's dive right in with Andrew's introduction of the report.
1: Thanks, Alex. So when the X-Growth team approached me to help develop the report, it was to capture AVM adoption and usage trends across the Asia-Pacific provide unique insight into how the method was being applied in the region on the back of strong results seen in the US and UK markets. This being the first ever comprehensive study of the method in the region, so we wanted a broad collection of quantitative data to yield expansive industry trends. At the same time, that needed to be targeted because we really wanted to only focus on senior practitioners whose decisions were actually shaping the usage of ABM across APAC. The majority of respondents were either heads of marketing, CMOs and VPs and directors of marketing. They came from right across the APAC region geographically, as well as from a broad range of companies, including Cisco, City, Oracle and Salesforce. The survey was in-depth and designed to drill down into a broad range of factors within their ABM experience. And the survey results show that ABM usage across the region is clearly growing and fast evolving. So marketing decision makers overwhelmingly rate their ABM experience as successful. On a sliding scale of 0 to 100, it received an average ranking of 68 um, and then 59% plan to increase their ABM investment in the coming year, while 24% will maintain current spending. And ABM is gaining momentum and tracking New York new users. 51% have just started the journey, 35% have been implementing it for some time, but all respondents said it's on their radar. There's a lot more insights into the adoption and usage contained in the report so we encourage you like Alex said to download it if you haven't and really drill down into some of that instructive detail but for the webinar we want to focus on the other component of the report as well as adoption and usage trends we wanted to unearth some of the real motivations behind ABM use as well as the pain points people are experiencing that So from there, we wanted to offer some insights and advice on these findings based on qualitative interviews with a panel of ABM experts we compiled for the report to find optimization techniques for the motivations and solutions to the pain points. So today for the webinar, we have Ronan here from Drift and he was part of the study, Jade Mira from F5 and of course Shaheen. So we're gonna delve into a few of the major motivations identified in the survey with the panel and then move to solving some of those pain points that were identified. So firstly to Ronan, who's going to be talking about bringing sales and marketing into alignment, which was identified as the biggest motivator behind ABM use in the survey. Thanks, Ronan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks 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 for taking the report. Some great insights that Ronan delivered in the report, Um, and we're going to expand on them a bit further today. But tell us about your role firstly at Drift and how you use ABM?
2: Yeah, sure. So I'm the head of marketing for APAC um, at Drift. I've been here for around eight months. Um, And in my role, it's about setting up the sort of foundational pieces of marketing um, and really being that conduit between the marketing team out of North America and the team there uh, with the sales team that we have already set up here. In terms of how we're using ABM, um, I think we have quite an extensive sort of rollout of that in North America, but there was less so in APAC. So it was about setting that up as well from the start. We take a very uh, data and digital driven approach, um, being like use it a lot, utilizing our own drift platform as well as part of that ABM play. Uh, but we have a number of sort of tools that we use throughout that process from formulating that list of who are our suitable target accounts, uh, which is done in collaboration with the sales and marketing team, and then rolling that out from a, a digital perspective as well. Um, Obviously, with COVID impacting physical events, uh, we had to really push focus more onto that digital uh, sort of form um, and yeah, through a number of sort of tools that we have set up there, that's how we approach ABM.
1: Great. And obviously, you've identified bringing sales and marketing to alignment as a really sort of key motivator for your use and it was also the biggest motivator identified in the survey. How important has that been to your success?
2: Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. Um, I've had past experiences where marketing and sales are sort of operating against different goals um, and operating in a different sort of format as well. Um, And it just becomes an issue of wasted spend for marketing and then uh, sales as well, not getting that sort of uh, lead quality through or that alignment with where their actual focus is on those target accounts. So we've been working uh, very, very tightly that from a marketing point of view, I'll collect data and look at, say, existing customers as well who I feel would be suitable and then also collecting that feedback directly from the sales team to say, these are the target accounts that we had in mind and these are the reasons for that and then really coming together to agree on, here's our sort of top set of target accounts and here's our sort of tier tier two set that we could look to roll that out afterwards.
1: Yeah, and, and what sort of key benefits and outcomes has that yielded
2: sort of further down the track? I think, First off, it's about the actual results that you get. Um, I think there's no point having marketing going off and saying, you know, we reached all these accounts if those aren't the accounts that sales want to be talking to anyway. Um, And then uh, I think it really develops a sense of trust between the teams that marketing is bringing something to the table, sales are bringing something to the table and then together you're achieving those sort of results. Um, So, yeah, I'd say that's been the biggest benefit, let alone having that. Uh, direct result uh, in terms of we set out to target these. They're actually coming through to the site. They're engaging with us. The sales team are able to get in front of them a lot quicker. um, And it's very clear for everyone to see that all these efforts are paying off.
1: And you spoke in the report and in our interview about the importance of getting buy-in from both sales and the marketing teams, and you went to great length at the early stage of the process to make sure that happened. Take us through how important that was and
2: what you did to make sure it was actually enacted and run through. Yeah, I think first off it was about giving visibility to the sales team of of the marketing data that we have available to us. Um, I I think that was a bit of a gap uh, when I came into the team. Um, So presenting that that data from there and then working with the sales team to understand what is the perfect sort of account fit for us. Um, And at Drift, that's largely a technographic-based fit that Drift integrates with a number of existing platforms. Um, So from that, uh, also looking at a number of other things, say like the employee size or what's the size of the sales and marketing team at these companies that would be suitable as Drift customers um, and then I went off and uh, there's a tool I use called Apollo that you can apply a number of these sort of filters to say they're using Salesforce, they're using Marketo, Pardot, whatever that technographic fit needs to be. Um, and then I'll come back to them and present, here's that full sort of list. And then based off that, here's who I'd be suggesting. But then it's about then uh, presenting that to the sales team and having them give their feedback to say, like, that would be suitable, or this wouldn't, or... I just helped implement this. This customer, which is similar to that, so on the back of that, this is what I'd say, and it's about agreeing on that set of of targets. Um, but in doing that, you've collected the the marketing input and the sales input to drive together.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And was there any teething problems you ran into along the way in terms of bringing those two teams together, and and sort of how did you overcome them?
2: Um, I actually felt it was pretty seamless. Okay. Um, our, our VP of APAC. Um, I think he's very good at that, uh, having that appreciation of that alignment um, and that we have clarity on that sort of end goal. Um, And I think as well, it's important from a marketing point of view that your focus just isn't on top of funnel like generating, say, leads or website visits. It's about has that actually translated into something that is meaningful for the sales team. Um, And I think key to that as well was that setting up the reporting side of that first um, as well as the goals that we had to ensure that. At any point, anyone could jump in and see how we're tracking against that.
1: Fantastic. And for someone who's earlier on in the journey, what would your key advice, takeaway advice be for someone who's wanting to make sure they enhance the alignment between
2: sales and marketing within their ABM program? Takeaway snapshot. Um, Yeah, I think for us, again, taking a very data and digital approach, it was around mapping out that sort of tech stack that we already had set up or available to us and where the gaps were within that. Um, I think there's so many awesome tools out there um, or or ways you can go about your ABM, but obviously doing them all is going to be a very expensive and um, extensive process as well. Um, So seeing what you already have and how that's currently working into play and then having the sales team and understanding their process as well. Like if this target account does inquire through our site or have a conversation with us through our site, what, what happens from that point? What are you going to do as that target account manager? Um, and just having that sort of clarity and that accountability there as well. Um, yes, yeah, so I'd say taking that holistic view of mapping it all out and having everyone see like that, having that visibility on this is the process that we're following and having that buy-in as well. That it's not just marketing saying you guys need to do this and sales and similarly sales saying the same, um, that everyone's just on the same page.
1: Fantastic, Ronan. right, now let's jump to Shaheen, who's going to drill down into tying marketing efforts to revenue. That was another major motivation behind ABM adoption identified in the report. How exactly does ABM best work to tie marketing to revenue, Shaheen?
3: Cool. All right. So revenue and abm first of all what i what i definitely want to say is if anyone has any questions feel free to kind of jump in, in the middle as well i think it's it's best to keep this interactive and um and and have everyone included i also think you know if if the other audience have any questions or, or any points uh, of some of the things that we're talking about jump in jump in and uh, and maybe andrew let's let's include everyone in the kind of discussions but um on the topic of Kind of revenue to uh, connecting marketing activities to revenue. One of the, I think one of the biggest advantages of of an account based approach is the fact that you know who you're going after, Mm. and as a result, you kind of get rid of. To some degree, what happens in the middle, where you identify an account and then it turns into revenue, one of the challenges that a lot of marketers are having, and and, and definitely looks like it's going to become a more a bigger challenge, is attribution. And attribution was a big thing five years ago to ten to five years. Some, somewhere around that five years ago and it, it's becoming more challenging to to know what is happening with the uh with the, the right people and the right accounts that you're going after because the visibility is, is going down you don't have visibility on who's listening to your podcast you don't have visibility on what's happening on social you don't have visibility on many different levels of of uh of interaction that you actually are receiving from your from your ideal customer profiles, and we previously were optimizing for that and that system is starting to fail and starting to fall apart where ABM comes into play is you have your target account and then you have your activities in the middle, but at the end of the end of the day, you want to connect it to revenue and you want to see whether that revenue is coming in. Now, obviously you're going to have some short-term, medium-term, long-term KPIs that you're going to look at, but ultimately that's one one of the, it's, it's, Th- that mentality where you have the accounts and you're looking at what is happening with those accounts that kind of connects marketing activities to revenue to pipeline to tangible results for for the business. I think that's the uh, that's the biggest advantage of looking at ABM. And I know to some degree I'm still simplifying on, on a few fronts, but but in a nutshell, that's the that's the easiest way to look at how ABM connects revenue, uh marketing activities to revenue. Mm-hmm.
1: And obviously, you see a lot of companies do it well, and some companies maybe who need improvement. What are some of the key facets of really nailing it, that sort of things you need to get in place before you enact and move forward with the strategy?
3: I mean, I'd I'd love to hear what some of the other panelists have to say about this as well. But I think the very first thing that one one needs to think about is the objective that, that you have. For for your ABM activity, are you looking at net new acquisition of uh, of 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 clients or or customers? Are you looking at uh, customer marketing in the sense of um, increasing usage? That's a that's a whole different objective. Are you looking at increase of share of wallet? That's another objective and another approach is required for that. So really looking at all those aspects uh, of, uh, of 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 what exactly is the objective is is, is super key. Yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah, I was please. just going to say, no.
1: Ronan and Jade, feel free to jump in if you've got sort of any additions to that. It's obviously a major part of ABM and I suppose you guys have obviously come up against it and really seen things that do and don't work.
4: Yeah, I suppose what I'd like to add to that is um, ABM is is really, you know, a strategic imperative and it's about... Aligning to what um, your customer's strategic imperatives are. And I think we can get a bit myopic as marketers and just focus on the output of revenue, but. Um, there's also the element of we're here to solve customers' problems. So um, when we start an ABM pilot, we actually go in and look very deeply at what what our customers' key mission is, what their goals are, what their strategic imperatives are. Like a lot of companies are going on a large digital transformation journey, that's true, but... You know, some have other concerns in terms of, um, you know, cost reduction or increasing their footprint or becoming, you know, a, a more ethical business or um, a more inclusive business. So, sort of understanding all of those different ambitions and and mapping back to that with the solutions that, that your company can offer. So, again, I think I think it's um in terms of success, it's it's also making sure at the end of the day, revenue is is obvious, but are you actually succeeding in helping solve the customer's main problems and helping them achieve their mission in the market? Because you can only succeed together, right? So, yeah, that's a very high-level sort of elevator view, bird's-eye view, but that's probably how most good one-to-one ABM strategy should start is aligning. And I'll open this up
1: to the panel. What are some of the the common pitfalls that you see adopted that just obviously don't work and you obviously want to advise people against. and have you sort of come up against some things, maybe not within yourself, but you've seen from afar?
2: Yeah, I think having uh, the right sort of foundations in place first, that your so your website, like for us, where uh, we have a, a digital solution, like a platform uh, that we're targeting primarily sales and marketing professionals. Um, so, obviously, if they came onto the website and that was looking poor or it was broken or something, that's going to impact that experience from that, that first uh, touch point. So your foundational pieces that I look at is like the website that you've got, your CRM, your marketing automation, um, and your conversational platform that uh, sounds like a plug for Drift, but I came from a company that we're implementing Drift at because I believed in it so much before uh, making the move. But yeah, looking at each of those sort of touch points and that experience that uh, the the ad resonates with them. They come onto the website and that copy resonates with them, that conversational piece to actually engage. And as Jane says, asking those sort of questions to make sure you're actually satisfying what their sort of challenges are and understanding those as well, rather than just to sell into that, that if that converts at that point, making that flow through to your, your CRM and that you've got marketing automation set up off the back of that. Because if you're focusing just on that sort of top of funnel of let's get them to our website and spend all your money doing that but the experience from that point breaks down it's just a completely wasted effort so yeah i'd say pitfalls i've seen previously is around not having that sort of end-to-end experience mapped out and properly ready and key to that as well is the reporting um, and analytics that you have set up to make sure that you're monitoring that on a daily sort of basis and optimizing off the back of those results
1: Okay, fantastic. We've got a question that really aligns to that point here from the audience, from Richie. Um, he's asking, what metrics do you use to properly measure and optimise an ABM campaign slash program? I'll open that up to anyone.
2: Um, well, for us, we, we load in who those target accounts are when starting out within within Salesforce as our CRM, um, and we use Drift at Drift very extensively as well that mapping those target accounts across there so that when that uh, target account is on the website, that actually notifies our target account owner internally. Um, So that uh, following through to the actual reporting side of that, things I look at, like I have a dashboard set up there to say how many of our target accounts and contacts have visited the website, how many have actually converted or engaged in a conversation, and how many opportunities do we have flying off the back of that, what revenue has come out of that as well. So, yeah, there's a few sort of metrics in there around more sort of vanity ones around web, web page visits, but it's a lot more meaningful when you can see down to the contact or account level that it's the right sort of account, uh, conversations or conversions off the back of that, opportunities, uh, pipeline, and then actual closed one revenue.
1: Fantastic. All right, we'll um jump now to reducing scale. Yeah, if go can, for it. If I can
3: add, add yeah. something because I think it it builds on what Jade was mentioning right. and, and and Ronan talked about. Uh Richie, I think the the most important thing to think about is again going back to what the object, object ob- objectives are, right? Um I think Ronan's example was awesome for thinking about um net new acquisition. If you're That's really right, yeah. looking at acquisition, what are some of the metrics that you're looking at? But if you're looking at account expansion, increasing share of wallet, those numbers would, would change. You would start looking at, hey, how many how many contacts did we have? How many engagements did we had? And then over time, because of marketing, how did their relationship with those change? How many new contacts now we have within that account or that are aware of us? what is the if we're measuring nps how has the nps of the organization changed in there and then then looking at some of the uh pipeline and revenue numbers of of whether that has changed on the back of that one of the one of the biggest thing that we see quite a lot when we work with clients is and this is a this is more of a soft thing in in abm but it's about setting expectations with leadership because what often happens is an ABM initiative is launched, and everyone's excited about it. And then three months down the line, it's like, okay, where is the revenue that we were talking about with ABM? What's what happened with all those dollars that uh, you know we were excited about? And I think it's very important of breaking down how you are measuring the success of the campaign through short-term, medium-term, and long-term KPIs so that the leadership knows if you're going after NAB as an account, you're not going to see revenue in three months' time, six months' time, probably not even in nine months' time. And it's very important to kind of set those expectations that we are not – these are some of the metrics that we're measuring in the first three months. These are some of the uh, KPIs that we have in the first 12 months. And and, and again, building on top of that, because very often what happens is, is leadership kind of comes back and they're like, what happens to, to, to pipeline? Why is the sales not closing?
4: Yeah, I'd like to add to that, Shaheen. I think um, it's very, very important to get that assertion on set. So, and we we mainly, for our benchmarks, yes, we we measure pipeline and um net new context, but we also mostly focus on engagements. Um and it, it also sort of lends itself back into we're leaning more into a you know the sense of community in marketing and um and you know, and, and that sort of organic growth. And I really believe that engagement is a good measure of, you know, If people are spending time getting to know your brand, spending time on your website, understanding your solutions, that leads to pipeline. Um, so to neglect the engagement data and to not pay respect to it and see it as growth is, is sort of a bit of a miss. Um, so we we're very intently track engagement data and, and then really align with sales and sort of see how we're increasing engagements into different buying centers, increasing engagements with new personas, and, um, and obviously adding net new contacts to the database. So that's that's critical. I think as I said before, easy to get myopic about pipeline, but not understanding the stages that lead to that. And it is a long game. It's, you know, I often look at an ABM, you know, one-to-one ABM commitment is a three-year minimum commitment. It's not a six-month commitment. And going back on what could be the biggest mistake you make with ABM, it is doing a couple of activities and calling them ABM. It's not um it's, it's a longer term motion and uh it's not an isolated uh sort of effort. So again that all ties back into you know, playing the long game, looking at all these different kind of metrics, and not getting myopic about, you know, revenue on pipeline.
1: That just
4: leads on to another
1: good question, Jade. Like amid the increased economic uncertainty, I suppose budgets have to be even more justified and that sort of uh, resource allocation has to really be targeted and directed and maybe one-to-one, you know, might not always be the most uh, best use of uh, those resources across all accounts. Take us through how you sort of decide and sort of allocate that resource and spend.
4: Yeah, so probably a bit of background to frame um, the way we approach ABM is probably to give a background on F5. So F5 is a 25-year-old company. We're a technology company. And uh, we started in sort of those um, frenetic days of the dot-com boom yeah. and uh, when the internet traffic was burgeoning and, you uh, we, um, we sort of created a gold class solution in load balancing, which is, you know, managing all your network traffic. And today we're still, you know, the gold class standard for, for that, um, that solution. But, you know, over 25 years, you know, tech companies have to evolve. So we've um, done a natural pivot into, into cybersecurity and becoming a leader in the cybersecurity space. So obviously, you know, starting with the network, the heart of the business, and then expanding out to protecting that and protecting applications is now what we do. Um, but in order to expand into, you know, to being a cybersecurity player and an um, and application and looking and talking to different parts of the application teams, we've had to expand to who we talk to in the organisation. So ABM for us is a critical tool in, in order to grow and sort of grow our reach and then start conversation in different buying centres in the organisation. So. You know being a very successful company with an enviable list of Fortune 500 companies in our books that doesn't guarantee that you know the security team is going to speak to us. Or, um, now that in 2019 we purchased Nginx, which is um, uh, one of the world's uh, is basically a lightweight uh, load balancer and reverse proxy, so it powers most of the world's websites. It's a developer tool. Um, does that mean that we get guaranteed entry to talking to the development team? So ABM for us is a really useful tool in our toolkit to increasing relevance to our customers, opening up conversations with different buying centres that we historically couldn't have. Um, and really, I think the best thing is, is scaling our sales force. Um, you know, sales sales forces are strained everywhere and they're expected to have deeper and more meaningful conversations and help businesses transform. Um, when you're talking, you know, talking one rep covering a number of accounts, yeah, they're just so strange they can't do that so they now need us as marketers to help them really scale across these large accounts talk to you know different buying centers engage and um you know multiply their efforts by hundreds if not thousands times so um yeah i think we've got such great and and what rona said before is you've got so many fantastic martech options now at your disposal all these different tools to help you do that and 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 um, and we can really sort of help become, be a superpower for the sales team and helping them multiply their reach.
1: Yeah, and, and part of reducing the sales cycle, um, you know, that's also been another major motivator identified in the survey. Um, you know, in terms of you touched on there, um, you know, how you did it, but what advice would you be sort of giving to people who, you know, are really trying to nail that and haven't completely worked it out yet?
4: So I think... I think it's so easy to get stuck up on um, the, the widgets and the shiny, bright things and look at MarTech. And listen, I'm, I'm flawed with what a lot of these, every day there's new MarTech coming out. that can do things that you couldn't do before. But I think at the heart of this, the first thing you have to get right is that alignment with sales. ABM will never succeed unless you have a very close lockstep with your sales team. You're very aligned on the strategy into the account or the account's your ring fence for ABM. Um, And I would never attempt to go on an ABM exercise if the sales team didn't have a clear strategy about what they were trying to achieve in the account, um, as well as a list of accounts. So I think that's the very most important thing is that fundamental healthy understanding of how you're going to engage with sales, what the strategy is for that particular account or set of accounts, have a handshake on that and then sort of build a plan, a strategy from there. Um, Because, you know, as John Don said, no man is an island. You know, you can't be throwing, um, you can't be as marketing going out there boldly without any support from sales and any intel from sales and then uh, doing all your marketing. And then it's sort of like an echo chamber. So um, I feel like that's the first step. And then the second step would be. Yeah, choose your Martech wisely. Go out. There's so many great solutions out there. See what's the best fit for your organization in terms of budget, scale, users. Um, try and maybe get some economies of scale or by getting other BUs or other regions to help you uh, go in on it and then um, share the cost, uh, training, um, enablement. And then, um, yeah, the other thing is usually we talked about expense and uh, cost before. You know, in terms of cost, I think the most, the highest cost of ABM definitely is um, is the resource intensiveness of it in terms of headcount, and especially in a region like ANZ where headcount is expensive, um, you want to make sure that you know you're using that headcount strategically and they're, they're doing the work that matters. But then, that definitely ties back to, again, aligning with sales, making sure you've got those clear line objectives, and picking a good martech vendor that helps you really track and measure your success as you go. So you're not doing activity, you're not getting sort of that feedback loop and constantly testing and measuring and um, making sure you're sort of tweaking and optimising along the way.
1: Fantastic. That was really insightful. Look, now let's move to the pain points and they were like key ones identified in the survey and you can read in the report. Uh, we'll start with you, Ronan, which you're going to talk about technology constraints and issues um, you know, how important is it that you get technology right?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it's it's absolutely critical, like, in terms of starting a, uh, looking at pulling data for the sort of accounts who would be suitable. Um, so, so for us, like using Apollo as a tool for that, to create that sort of list and give that sort of insight to the sales team. Um, and looking at existing data that you can leverage as well from, say, your CRM or marketing automation. And for us, that's Salesforce and Marketo, um, and being able to present that. Then a reporting side as well. Um, I use a, uh, a tool for easily building dashboards that you can integrate with any sort of source pretty much um, called DataBox, uh, which is like a really cost-effective one as well. Um, but, yeah, in terms of sort of uh, challenges on that on that front, coming into a company where, here in APAC, it's it's me and marketing. Over in North America, we got a team of 65 marketers and obviously coming into a very fast-growing um, and, and quite a sort of established team and company as well. Um, we have so much tech that's integrated with one another. So trying to come in from an APAC point of view to be like, I want to get this tech rolled out here, um, I, I think that's one challenge that uh, you might come up against. Um, like we've already got some other tool that's doing something quite similar to that when in fact it it isn't. So you having to make that sort of argument. Um, But I think if you can do it uh, in a sort of way that does scale as well, that here's a, even starting, say with the free trial or something like that, Or let's just test this out so I can actually validate the value that this is going to add. Um, And yeah, through to, like we use Drift extensively as a tool in itself um, for actually mapping all that together. So yeah, I feel there's a few sort of challenges in there, but um, as Jade said as well, there's so much technology out there. I think start by looking at what you've already got and if you can actually get more out of that um, and then look at what other options are gonna be absolutely critical to converting within this funnel. I mean, that's for us anyway, as as Shane was touching on what your goal is for this ABM campaign. Um, And so I'm obviously talking from a a net new standpoint and a uh, land expand sort of standpoint as well with existing customers.
1: Fantastic. I'll open this one up to the panel and you, of course, too, Ronan. And this came through in the report through a couple of expert uh, contributors, and that was that it was really important that strategy guides technology and technology doesn't guide or dictate the strategy. Can you speak further to this, Ronan or uh, Shaheen
3: or Jade? Who, who who do you who do you want to go first?
1: Oh, whoever <laughs> wants to jump in. Whoever's uh yeah, most Jade, you, you want to in. take
3: this?
4: Yeah, I think um I've been, I mentioned before, like we had an ABM session, planning session down actually in Melbourne um a couple of months back. And we started off by listening to about a half an hour recording of what the cto strategic imperatives for that their, that account is um, and just as i said i mentioned before always aligning back to what is the customer trying to achieve there's no point in us talking about our solutions if they don't align to that so um, i think that would be what i would sort of mention to is always mapping back to those strategic imperatives being empathetic listening to the customer what exactly is the customer trying to achieve and and how can you help you know help them on that journey?
3: Fantastic, Shahin. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll definitely echo what what Jade mentioned. Um, it, it's it's super important to understand who are the accounts you're going after, what what is it that you want to present to them, and the messaging you want to put in front of them, which is derived from what do you believe are their challenges and their objectives. Um, so those two are are critical are the accounts, and what are you gonna what are you gonna put in front of them, um, and then probably what you want to think about is what type of uh, ABM you want to implement. Are you do you want to implement one to one? Are you a big enough organization to implement one on one? Because one on one is a very risky. If you really don't have leadership buy-in, I always say don't go after one one to one. It is a very long game. It's going to take a lot of resources for a handful of accounts. Uh, and, uh, and, it's, and it's tricky. So really understanding what is the type of account? Are you doing a cluster of uh, cluster of accounts? Are you doing a um, uh, which is one one to few? Are you going more broader in terms of you targeting 100 or or, or so in terms of one being one to one? What type of ABM are you doing? And then think about, hey, where does kind of technology come in to supplement what we're what we're uh, what we're trying to accomplish here? And uh, and and, it, but in a lot of situations, the other way happens, and I think that is even more common in APAC because what happens is the the head of marketing marketing director from APAC comes into place, and they're like, okay, what has the HQ purchased for ABM? oh these are the tools that we have okay what can we do with these and then technology it's a lot easier for apac to, for technology to drive apac strategy uh than than the other than the other way around so i think it's very important to think about that and lastly know that the technology that works in the us or EMEA might not work in the apac region if you're looking at Maybe A and Z is a little bit more similar, but still there are, there are discrepancies between those those regions. But especially when you start looking at Singapore, Hong Kong, Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, Japan, India, the tech in some cases fall apart. Uh, especially the data that you can get, the the clean cleanliness of the data. So all of that have uh, have an impact. And it's again really crucial to uh, to step take a step back and say, you know what, even though we have this technology, we're gonna we're gonna take an approach and and have a look at strategy. And again, it's not uncommon. We've ha- we have clients who they have two products, same they do the same thing, but one does it really good in North America, and one does it really good in in, in APAC, and they kind of put the business case for that. So that's uh, that's that's what I would add there.
1: Fantastic, Shane. We'll stick with you now because we're going to move to the other pain point that you identified or chose for the topic today, which is too time-consuming and complicated. Um, you know, by its nature, as we've mentioned, it can be really resource and time-intensive. But how important is it that people stick with the journey, stay the journey in order to see the results and don't bail out before those results have sort of come to fruition?
3: I mean, Jade said this, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, you need a multi-year commitment to this. Yeah. And if you are dealing with a leadership that doesn't understand that, you are not in a great place. And you're going to have a really challenging time going forward because guess what? In six months time, there are going to be people knocking on your door and there are going to be a couple of requests. First of all, where's the revenue and where's the pipeline from this activity? Can you justify what you're doing and what we're spending on? And the other thing is, let's say you've taken, you agreed on three one-to-one campaigns, three one-to-one accounts. And leadership comes in. It's like, oh, can you also add this account? And this is also important. Let's throw this in there as well. Mm-hmm. And and maybe can we do a cluster of financial services? And before you know it, it completely blows up, and uh, you get, you're you're in deeper trouble. So uh, so those are some of the challenges from from resources that happen. And I think the most important thing is to keep it simple, and have an understanding. Am I going to be requested? to have more accounts in here? Is this going to be something that people are going to come back to me and say, hey, we really want, we, we want to expand this and, and, and be prepared for that. So how would you be prepared for that is instead of going for one-to-one campaigns, if this is a new, ABM is a new initiative, look at a cluster because you can have a you know 10 15 20 accounts in a cluster and therefore address a lot more concerns from different people also reduce the risk of like something coming out of a a few of those accounts so going not going full on 1 to 1 i think is is a great approach because the other challenge that you have if you go full 1 to 1 is and if you haven't done it in the past extensively is how far do i go with personalization and this is a rabbit hole that you keep digging for yourself and it never ends. You're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to personalize for the account. Uh, okay. But, but also CIO is important. All right. All right. I'm going to now also go one layer deeper and I'm going to personalize for the CIO as well. Okay. How do, how deep do I go? Do I personalize also the ads? Do I create a separate report for the CIO? But hold on, there's, there's, there's two more buying centers. Okay. Am I going to hold, create a whole another personalization thing for them? And that, That hole keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, And taking a step back and again simplifying it and not going too deep is super crucial because you're gonna burn. You can you can burn a whole year worth of resources for three accounts um, if if you're not careful. So I think that was that would be my advice of keeping it simple and think about you know if 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 from management side there's going to be an increased demand. So therefore have a decent number of accounts that you're targeting. So that uh, you you definitely can show some results earlier because it does happen again statistically. If you have a larger pool, there's going to be some some wins. Uh, the, the chances of having some wins is is, is higher in the short term, uh, and and go from there.
1: Fantastic! It sort of dovetails nicely into the next one, which is cost and budget issues with Jade. Um, so once you've sort of implemented and you're up and running, Jade, how important is it that costs and resources are monitored and tweaked in an ongoing basis that if you do start to see something going awry that you can address it and sort of move off in a different direction?
4: Yeah, I think it goes back to what Shaheen was saying before as well is um, kind of don't bite off more than you can chew and have yeah. a very clear, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you may start off with a one-to-few or one-to-one and then need to pivot. And that's not necessarily because you've lost hope or the sales team want their revenues straight away. It could be, you know, something's happened strategically with that account. They could be on a, a massive um, cost cutting exercise. There could be a big shift in the market. They could be not aligning with your solution set anymore. So it could be a, a whole a multitude of reasons why you can kind of say I'm gonna dig ANZ
3: ANZ by Suncorp. That could be another thing. Exactly. There's
4: <laughs> a bunch, um there's so much MA going on at the moment. Um, so I really feel like it's it's okay to sort of check, check in. And I actually recently sort of done this myself and gone, let's check in, you know. Are we, are we focusing on the right accounts? Let's recalibrate. Are we getting, did we hit our milestones here? Um, because I think it is, as Jaheen mentioned before, I would say recommending starting with a one to few, one to many approach, and then zeroing in a more narrow approach once your budget and time and the, and the results allow versus the other focus, which is, well, the other approach is starting very, starting one to one, very, very micro, and then zooming out to a macro. So, um, I think in this era of, yes, we're moving into a very fiscally prudent landscape, there'll be more pressure mm-hmm. on marketing in terms of cost reduction. Um, I think it is prudent to always sort of have that view of like, let's start with what's the most healthy, realistic from a resources budget point of view, and then we can always zoom in later if we find success in a particular account. But Probably easier to start Start with your macro, then move to your micro. Um, and in terms of cost, as I mentioned before, I think the predominant cost is really, you know, is your headcount, is your resources. So also making sure in terms of the, the, the land of the great resignation, we don't burn folks out because it can be quite you know, difficult focusing my on one account. And, you know, there's sometimes these buying centres and personas in organisations, they're just super hard to crack and they're super hard to reach. So you want to make sure we have those small wins in the account um, or across a set of accounts so our, our team don't get demotivated and be like, you know, I, I'm not seeing results here, I'm not winning. So um, I think that's also really important to keep in mind. So... Yeah, we are moving into a cautious period. It's probably better to be cautious and and not try and boil the ocean from the onset.
1: Fantastic. All right, we should start moving to some audience questions. Um, From Monica, we've got one. This Ronan touched on it before um, when we were talking about aligning sales and marketing teams. And it's, do you explain what ABM means to your sales team before doing it? And if so,
2: how? We'll start with you, Ronan. Yeah, sure. Um, So I think I'm lucky enough to to be in a team who's already quite across that, um, and let alone the amount of information our own Drift marketing team put out on account-based marketing and what that means. So I haven't had to do it, but of course, uh, in previous organisations, I have. Um, And yeah, coming at it from here's going to be the benefit to you in sales, I think is the most important and starting with that and then sort of working your way back to how marketing is going to help support that um, so what was the second component of that, of that question?
1: And sort of what, how do you, what do you say, I suppose, basically? Like what, what do you tell them? What's the sort of main message to bring them on
2: board? Um, yeah, I think it, it probably covered that with what I was saying there about yeah. how it's going to actually benefit them. But I think as well, getting them to think about examples of where they might have been exposed to account-based marketing without properly thinking about it. Um, like knowing one myself back a few years ago, um i was reached out to from some team in north america who helped with like marketing automation services um and at the time our our team had actually just been reduced on the back of covid um so we had lost headcount in that area um and so the timing was sort of perfect and so i wanted to understand like how did you know i'd be a suitable sort of account for you guys and they took me through their their sort of targeting criteria of like the size of the marketing team the tech stack you have, like Salesforce and Pardot is the marketing automation um, and the size of the company as well. That was key criteria for them. And then so um, I went even further to say, like, Could you show me through that data on your end and how you're actually leveraging that as well. So I think uh, getting them to think about times that they've actually gone ahead and inquired about something or, or purchased something in a B2B environment, they're good ways as well of saying, like, it clearly works on you. So, there's, there's ways we can get that working on our target accounts as well. Okay, fantastic. Uh,
1: Shaheen, I'll give this one to you. Um, this is from Rosine Kelly Goldsmith. Um, how, A- how is ABM defined and can be varied between organisations and it's open to interpretation? Um, so, basically means different things to different people. Could you please define ABM, what it should be versus what it shouldn't be?
3: So I think it is absolutely correct that ABM is defined differently for different organizations. So you have traditionally you have the three tiers of ABM, one-to-one, one to one to few, and one-to-many. Um, someone like Oracle would have a one-to-one strategy against a fifty million dollar deal slash account. And someone like DocuSign would have a one-to-one strategy against a million dollar account. Oracle will probably have $5,500,000 allocated for their deal. DocuSign would never be able to do that. It would never make financial sense for the organization to allocate that. So one-to-one would be defined differently for how, how, how they do one-to-one is going to be defined differently for DocuSign versus versus Oracle. And I think that, uh, that mindset applies across all the different tiers of abm so you have to look at the average contract value of your customers how much how much money is there to to play with you have to look at the complexity of the accounts that you're going after are you you're going after the hospitality space or are you going after financial services or are you going after the government very different plays there um and, and and tell you what you can look at the report and you can see the verticals that are most in demand. Financial services are right at the, at the top. Guess what? So, And, and what, what does that mean is all the big players, the Googles, the AWSs, the Microsofts, are going to be spending a lot of money to grab the attention of, for example, the CIO of ANZ, Combank, NAB, and Westpac. So you have to really up your game and you need to do a lot more investment in order to be able to crack those accounts. So your, your the vertical that you're going after ha- has a, has an impact as well in terms of how you define um, uh, ABM. The buying centers within those verticals that you're going after is have, have a, again, impact on, on how you define ABM in your organization. There are multiple different factors that you have to take into consideration. and I, and I apologize for kind of not directly answering that question, but if anyone comes to you and says, this is a ready- made package for you, Unless they have done something for a company extremely similar to yours, you cannot define AVM for every single organization the same way. And you have to have that customization because of all these all, all these factors.
1: Fantastic. This is from Sam Voss to everyone. So I'll let whoever wants to jump in first go for it. But have you found a particular way to segment accounts in a one to few strategy
2: that has worked really well? For us, uh, one of the, the key components we look at is that technographic fit between Drift and uh, Salesforce, HubSpot, Marketo, Pardot, um, and so that's at the sort of highest level. And then we can break that down to the next sort of level, say within APAC, uh, these are the different countries. Then within that, these companies of this size, sort of number of employees, and then within that, they've got sales team of this size, marketing team of this size, um, and that's what's helped us that. Uh, we can still target sort of suitable accounts at this level, but where we're getting really sort of niche and targeted is down at we've got a a list defined between ourselves and marketing team of 10 accounts we're going after at any time. Um, And and that allows us to be a lot more sort of personalised at that level. So whilst we've invested in the sort of foundational pieces to run this ABM account, we can still leverage it at those higher sort of um, wider sort of account numbers. Um, But for example, like using drift on our own website what we're building out at the moment for these 10 accounts is that real personalized messages that if one of them visits the website we've already mapped out like this is the you're using salesforce or you're using marketo here's relevant guides to that of how that integrates with drift Um, or we noticed that your competitors are these three companies and your current customers are these sort of three companies like would you like to use drift to help you reach more of and then actually dynamically placing that content in there as well um, so, yeah, that's how we've gone about getting it to that smaller sort of list, but still having a strategy that benefits that wider list as well, uh, which is sort of future proofing it for scale. Okay,
1: fantastic. And I'll give this one to you, Ronan. Did you want to jump in?
4: Uh, I, I just want to add, yeah. Yeah, want to, add to that. Um, I think with ABM, content is king. And so, really, if you're going to sort of segment, I would be picking. Um, customers with like uh, size situations where you can repurpose and retailer and refactor a lot of content. Cause we know it's very expensive to produce content from scratch. So um, I think, you know, if we you look in a line say across the BFSI segment, finding similar size accounts with the same sort of challenges like digital transformation or, um, you know, um, open banking or the like. So you're you're literally, you know, kind of lifting and shifting, not necessarily the strategy, but a lot of the content can be repurposed um, because, yeah, you'll find yourself burning cycles and budgets pretty quickly if you're producing custom content from scratch for all of those different accounts. So that would be sort of a suggestion. Yeah, right. I can
2: agree more with that. And I've just actually been through that experience that, um, say like developing this uh, ebook or guide on connecting Drift with Salesforce, I've looked at this in a way that it's not only going to benefit us and our ABM here, but those same resources can be used in North America for their ABM strategy as well and their relevant target accounts. So i of grow agree with that more. And
1: that's a nice uh, one to lead into this question, Ronan, like transfer, transgressing like, different geographies uh, in terms of different markets. Um, in terms of the impact on the GDPR in Europe and other similar data laws in China and other areas, what impact has that had on ABM?
2: Um, I think definitely for the head of marketing in EMEA, it would have had a much bigger impact than, than it has had for us. But yeah. our sort of view at Drift as well is that it, it's much better, obviously, to have first-party data and ways that you can actually uh, gather that. Um, so we obviously are very reliant on our own platform like Drift for Drift. Um, And by actually engaging with people on the website, we're collecting that first-party data as well. Um, We've obviously got access to other data with um, other data providers and integrations that plug in, Um, but how you can use that is obviously quite limited. Um, But I'd definitely say it's a lot more impactful for anyone operating in EMEA than APAC. And is
1: that something you think people are sort of getting ready to prepare for in this region though, given that, you know, it's likely to follow suit in some degree?
2: Uh, I'd say so and like with, you know, all these uh, changes coming around with like cookies and things like that, I I think it would be good to prepare for that. Um, And again, I always like just looking at use cases from different companies and how they're running their sort of strategies as well and what could we extract from that and start applying ourselves. Um, So obviously with that happening in Europe first, um, some advice I'd say is to look to companies there and how they've gone about changing their um, ABM plays and what could we factor in in preparation for any future changes that we could face in APAC as well.
1: Okay, we're almost out of time. But Shaheen, I'd like to give the last question to you. What, what do you see as the sort of major trend or development that's likely to play out and change with ABM over the next 12 or months or even two to three years? Are you sort of really watching some part of that set to develop?
3: Especially for the APAC region, I think, what in the next 12 to 24 months what we're going to see is we're going to see maturity of tech in this space um it's been it is matured in north america it is going to move as these tech companies look at expanding their their revenue base what is going to happen is that they're going to expand into this region uh, this has already started to happen. The, the tech landscape in uh, in Australia, New Zealand, and in broader APAC is a lot more advanced today than it was 12 months ago. And that trend is going to continue happening. Uh, there is going to be a movement for data uh, and, and getting better data. And some people kind of say, hey, it's the strategy is what's important. You really don't need that kind of stuff you can do without it. But when you see what kind of the, the type of data that you can get, for example, in North America, you're like, "This is just game changing." If I could have that data here, it's just it's going to make so many things easier. And we're just not at that stage. I think that is going to uh, that is going to further uh, develop. There is, um, and and I think the, lastly, the, the popularity of ABM is is going to grow. Uh, I, I see that continue happening. Um, There's still a lot of buzz about it, but it's still new early days. Uh, So uh, I think that is uh, those are probably two things that the last one is a bit generic, but uh, the the two things I think are going to happen in the next 12 months.
1: Okay. Thanks a lot, Shane. Thanks a lot for the other panelists, Ronan and Jade, for joining us and all the audience out there. We hope you got a lot out of it. Don't hesitate to contact us if you've got any other follow-up questions. But we've also, just a reminder, got a second, coming up, second webinar coming up, and that is on August 11th at 5.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. And that'll be further diving into results, but looking at it a bit more from an international perspective, we've got some international guests joining and they'll be looking at some learnings that can be applied to the APAC region. Thanks a lot for having us. Uh, we really enjoyed the time. Um, have a great rest of the day and we hope to see you at the next webinar thanks again bye thanks everybody thanks guys
4: everyone
0: don't forget to pick up your copy of the state of account-based marketing apac report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report that's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report or just hit the link in the podcast description to get your copy Thanks again for all the support and look forward to you joining us again in the next one.